0: No
1: one ever thinks about the crew below the decks. They're drinking and they're partying and having lots of sex. They cook and clean and serve the rich with a smile all day. But when the richies leave the ship, the yachtys get to play. Yo ho, nilly, yo, 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 we're heading Hey gang, welcome back to the Gangplank Report. We are covering episode three of season six and Bravo's title is It's Like Rain on Your Wedding Day, a reference to the Atlantis Morissette song, I'm assuming, and we've decided to call it Share Bears and Rainbows. (laughs) And Jen is going to go ahead and do your rapid recap this week.
0: Okay, so the rapid recap. First thing, everybody wakes up and they're trying to figure out, is there even going to be a wedding? And it's even awkward at the breakfast table, but we do find out the wedding is on. They were supposed to have it at a fortress ashore, but weather moves in, lightning and everything. And so they decide to have it on the boat. So everybody has to get together and create this. The word is going to be marrying them and doing the vows. Right before the wedding, there's a huge rainbow in the sky, which which we'll get to later on when we break this show down. But that's important. There are opinions from the crew members on marriage in general pretty much everybody weighs in on that there's some communication breakdown between the galley and the interior and we get to what adrian has dubbed the scallop snafu and then we end with the crew night out and it winds up being a combo because it's a celebration of z's
1: birthday so that's the rapid recap let's just dive right into this episode so starting off talking about the couple fighting the crew is is kind of making comments about it from the night before wondering if this is even going to happen katie's crossing her fingers right away that right maybe they'll decide <laughs> not to do it and mm-hmm. i can't say i blame her exactly uh and then very quickly at breakfast we find out that they are still in fact planning on doing the wedding so wedding prep ensues mm-hmm.
0: yeah and that's when the c word calls the b word and katie into the wheelhouse and lets them know that the weather has made it that they can't have it at the fortress. So it's going to be on deck. And nobody seemed to tell Matthew that. Did you notice
1: that? (laughs) I did, because wasn't it Lexi that said, oh yeah, you're cooking on the boat. Everything's on the boat. Exactly, and and so there's a lot of these little communication
0: breakdowns this episode, and it's still the first charter, so we're gonna cut everybody some slack on it, but there are some that seem natural to just learning to work together, and there are others that seem like personality-wise. How long when you're on a charter... Does it usually take for you and the people you're working with to gel? Does it happen quickly
1: or? It depends. Some of the people, if you're talking about an all brand new crew and we've never worked together, sometimes it takes a couple of days to really get into the swing of things. Okay. You know, this last charter that I did was only five days long. But I had two days prior to the trip to provision and prep. And so I got to know the stew that I was working with. And it probably, once the guests were there, took us a solid two days to really get into a swing of things where she understood what I was asking for and I understood what she was asking for and we communicated really effectively. Not that we had a bad rapport to begin with, but I think it's just different styles Right. And she's worked with other chefs too. So she was trying to figure out what my style was kind of thing. Right. So sometimes it happens immediately. Sometimes it never happens at all. And sometimes it just takes a couple of days. So yeah,
0: And with him being gone the whole first day, maybe that factors into it too, that they had to do everything without him. So it might take a little bit longer even for them to get into his rhythm.
1: Yeah. I agree, and I think that he put himself at a minor deficit because the the rest of the crew had to pick up his slack, mm-hmm. and so they're probably a little bit less patient with him. Yeah, I would be because of this. <laughs> yeah,
0: I, I do understand it, and we've said in the past couple episodes we get the knee injury. You've been sympathetic with him because you're a chef and you understand how it goes. I was sympathetic with him because of the anxiety. But there's still something there that it seems like gets written off as a chef personality. I don't see that personality in you. I don't see it in my daughter or my son-in-law who are chefs. But there's something there with him that I'm not quite sure. He seems like he wants things to go really well and he seems really happy and positive. But it only takes a tiny little shift in his expectation for him to go off the rails, it feels like.
1: I think so too. And I think we see that manifesting in a couple of different ways in this episode. One of them being the wedding cake Mm -hmm. ordeal, you know, skipping a little bit ahead. They put the wedding cake into the walk-in cooler and then right at the last minute before it's time to put the decorations on it and send it out, he drops it. Right. And (laughs) it wasn't disastrous. I mean, it was recoverable, obviously, but that could be another element of the nerves kicking in too. Mm -hmm. So as we see all these things start to come together, And the deck team working together to get the aft deck decorated, and the groom proceeding to get more intoxicated before the ceremony. Mm We also see uh, the C word practicing doing the vows. And you had a funny observation about that.
0: <laughs> well, she she just thought, isn't this beautiful? You know, it, it's one of those things where you compliment yourself <laughs> and she's saying it to Martin, who's the chief officer. And he's like, eh, it's okay. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it just made me laugh. <laughs> he, he was uninspired. Exactly. And you'll notice that later on during the ceremony, they cut all of that out. And it was pretty much just, will you, I will, will you, I do. (laughs) Well,
1: and I think it was also really interesting that at the very top of the ceremony, the C-word goes ahead and makes the statement before anything else saying, this is the first time I'm doing this, ha ha again, with lowering the expectations. This is
0: the second time she's done that she did it with the food letting them know that they weren't going to have a chef when she didn't know really when he was going to be back. And then she did it again with this. I did think she recovered a little bit when she tied it in. Well, this is my first time, but this is your first time
1: too. So that it's could have been thing. awkward because what if it wasn't That's true. (laughs) You never, (laughs) and nobody said anything.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and that's funny because that really does happen. Somebody said that to me because John and I will be married 23 years, and everybody assumes this is our first. And we both had (laughs) marriages
1: before, so yeah, that could have been bad. You're right. We are celebrating our three year wedding anniversary
0: tomorrow. Congratulations! Yay! By the time
1: by the time this airs, it'll be next week. But yeah, uh, but yeah. We are on year three right now, which is very exciting. Happy anniversary. I love Andrew. He's sweet. He's a good one. I think I'll keep him. (laughs) Yeah. Good call. As we're, as we're starting to talk about marriage expectations and some of the thoughts of the crew, I thought we got a little bit of insight on almost every one of the new cast members and some older ones about what they think about marriage in the first place. And Mm -hmm. we learn a little bit about David and learn that his last girlfriend cheated on him. And so he's a little bit soured, but still has his eyes on the B word. Right. And how, speaking of Alanis Morissette's ironic,
0: when he told the B word about the situation, her jaw dropped. And I'm thinking, okay, do you not remember Wes and Adam? Because all of us remember Wes and Adam. Why is your jaw dropping like this is an unheard of situation when you were the perpetrator of it in your first season. Just crazy. Well, and
1: karmically, we know that comes back to Biter because she breaks up with Tom because he finds another fish in the sea.
0: Mm-hmm. And sleeps with another fish in the
1: sea. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then, so we hear David's comments about maybe he can change Malia's mind about marriage. And then we cut to her talking head. And she said, I don't want a wedding anywhere. Yeah. I'm hoping we can change David's mind. <laughs> <Before> <laughs> he changes the B words mind. That would be my goal. <laughs> and then we see Lloyd just being goofy talking about sometimes it takes a little while for girls to warm up to his personality. Mm. Sometimes it takes a day. Sometimes it takes a month. Sometimes it takes years. Like again, him laughing at himself, which I, still I love think Lloyd is endearing. so much. I really yeah. do. Yeah, He's great. And then Z makes comments about how he wants little Z's running around, which I Mm -hmm. think is really cute. And then then we get to Chef Matt Mm -hmm. and his comments. What did you think about that?
0: Well, as someone who grew up with Care Bear stuffed animals, (laughs) I see so many... Okay, aside from my reality TV obsession, my true crime obsession, I do have this odd fixation with polygamy. I've watched Sister Wives. I watched the one season that they had Brother Husbands. So his comment about the thruple was, except he called it a truple and I've never heard it called that before. It wasn't, it didn't throw me off completely. Like I wasn't surprised by that. But at the same time, it was just like, it just came off kind of skeevy. I don't know. (laughs) It just there's well something. he called himself a share bear. He called himself a share bear. Yep. I skipped that part. That was the whole reason I had brought up watching Care Bears. Yeah. He, that he's a share bear and wants two women. And I'm just like, okay.
1: Well, he's he's gotta master a couple other things first, I feel like, before yeah. that. happens. Uh-huh. But we <laughs> well,
0: shall see. You you've gotta get one first before you can hope to get two, so <laughs> true ramp up those skills a little bit
1: (laughs) (laughs) so then we conclude the the wedding portion of it but there was a really interesting comment about rainbows Mm -hmm. Clint was standing at the edge of the railing
0: and looking out and seeing this rainbow. And he's just, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And he's in tears. And all I could think of about a decade ago, there was a viral video of a guy who saw a double rainbow and he was just awed by it. And he's like, double rainbow, what does it mean? And that's all I could think of with Clint. So I was laughing, but then we find out after the ceremony that Carrie's mom went to a psychic and the psychic told her that her grandfather was going to appear at her wedding as a rainbow. And so it went from me being all snarky and goofy about it to really being kind of moved by that. I thought that was sweet. To have I thought it was son.
1: cute too. And I appreciate the fact that you sent me the video of y- you, somebody Bear <laughs> yeah. crying, looking at the rainbows because I had no idea what you were talking about right. when you mentioned it to me before. See, see so. that's our age gap showing. That's That shows
0: how much <laughs> younger you are. (laughs) no i thought that was very sweet so i'm glad it turned out well we did do a poll of whether carrie and clint should walk down the aisle or should walk the plank and our people are a little rough and they they had them walking (laughs) the plank (laughs) by a big margin but they ended up walking down the aisle so since this is the last day of their charter we're not
1: gonna make them walk the planks (laughs) there we go congratulations to the happy couple right So we wrap up the wedding ceremony portion and you notice I actually missed it somehow that Matt was sending around some past hors d'oeuvres prior to to the scallop snafu. And I'll I'll have to go back and rewatch because I missed that part. So at least we know that they're not starving as soon as they sit, or at least we think. But then they are. And that's where we launch into some of the miscommunications that seem to kind of unfold during this meal. So again, we're still getting into a groove. Everybody's still learning each other. But I feel like Lexi's just throwing a wrench in this entire thing.
0: I do too. She's, She's really bossy. And I don't know, I don't remember her saying that she was ever in a chief stew position before, which I would understand if you were stepping down, like how last season when Bugsy came in. If she's been a chief stew, there would be some conflict there because you're used to doing the answer. I don't think that Lexi has that history, but she really is kind of popping in and bossing Matthew around and he's not having it. But when it came to the scallop snafu, what it was, when they sat down, it was going to take him three minutes to fire them up. And they were all around the bar, which they've, that's where they've been the whole time. And Katie had mentioned to them, as soon as you get seated, we can start serving dinner. So they were lingering, Therese and her husband were still down in their cabin. And Lexi tells them that she's going to do the water and the wine, but then tells them to fire it up. And then she denied it when Katie said something. And then Lexi in a confessional came back and said that she really didn't like it when the chain of command isn't respected after Matthew gave her a hard time about it. And that had me completely lost because the chain of command is she's under Katie. So Katie and Matthew communicate, correct?
1: Yes. Okay. Yeah. I think she was just unnecessarily inserting herself in some kind of an authoritative role that she doesn't actually command, mm. which is frustrating to watch. Cause I've had people do that to me before. Mm-hmm. There's absolutely utterly no reason why she should be telling the chef what to do. It's one thing for her to relay a message to say, Hey, platter up more lamb chops, but for her to come in and tell him how to do his job is a completely different story or to misrepresent the status of the guests seating at the table As Well, I think the pile of dirt situation that happened where he had already started cleaning up the galley and she walked in and said you need to platter more lamb chops and then stepped in the little pile of dirt that he hadn't finished cleaning up yet. And then her attitude about it beyond that was just baffling to me. It's almost like she's intentionally prodding him to piss him off and I don't understand why.
0: I didn't either. And while she's standing there, not only does she swipe two lamb chops and start eating them like a cave woman, it was really kind of, I don't know that there's a delicate way to eat lamb chops. I, I don't eat lamb, so I don't know. She was kind of just tearing at some that is the guest food, for one, when she could have been taking that dustpan and just sweeping that little bit of dirt up and then go wash her hands. She had enough time to do that while he was plating. But it doesn't even occur to her, like, okay, instead of ticking him off,
1: let me help him out a little. So. Right. No, she just does the opposite. And then it turns out we have a deficit of lamb chops because mm-hmm. they wanted more even after the second serving. Right. So, and she's the one that has to go up and say, we're out, sorry. Mm-hmm. After you just snarf two of them. Like you said, like a cave person. Yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't impressed with her. She's she's back on the gangplank for me this episode. And, and that's
0: the thing. Last week I was cutting her slack, and I feel like I'm vacillating so far from one side to the other, but she's really not giving me a lot to be supportive of this week. She just did a lot of things that don't make sense to me, even when they were setting the table for that dinner and Katie was telling her how she wanted the glasses. And she had to make a point of saying to her, every chief stew has a different way that they want to do it. And This is how I've been taught and why even go through all that, you know,
1: just do what you're supposed to do and not be so combative. I don't know. Yeah. Still bringing up PTSD from my season with Sam. Yeah, <laughs> I went through a lot of that with her too. And it just seems like they're the same personality, in my opinion. Yeah, it's just a, they are very good at typecasting on the show, aren't they? Yeah, they really are. They have their archetypes that
0: they like to throw in there. But all in all, I thought the wedding went really well, considering everything that was thrown at them, but Between the weather and the couple arguing and having to have the cake ordered in and all of the different things, it turned out really well. I don't think the guests could have noticed anything with the experience being off. Well,
1: except for Therese, who claimed as the lamb was being plated and, you know, set in front of her that she Mm -hmm. doesn't eat pets. Mm -hmm. And you know what, I gave her a little bit of a pass for railing into the C word about the spontaneous crew cooking situation the first night. Right. I would have been disappointed too if my expectations were that I was paying for a chef to be on board and there wasn't I understand it there's mm-hmm. a lot of people that comment that they don't understand why there wasn't catering brought from somewhere else or like why was it that that had to be the option maybe it was COVID related I don't know mm-hmm. but to watch her then be so dismissive of the food that is prepared by the chef after she asked for just you know the suggestion was made that she could just have a ratatouille mm-hmm. that she she even tossed that plate aside and her husband seemed kind of shocked by her behavior. I mean, she was drunk. Yeah, know. she we-
0: she was trash fish. She was beyond drunk. It, she was so glassy eyed and she could barely sit up and they've all had their moments.
1: This group was definitely a drinking group for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. So we wrap it up. The guests leave. They give some compliments to Matt, which I think was Mm well-deserved. They give some compliments to Katie about our interior team, which I think was well-deserved, at least from what they witnessed. And the tip seemed pretty good. What did you think? I thought the tip, it surprised me to be honest,
0: because on our super fan interview last week with Jennifer, we found out that the C word had the cojones to ask them to cook their own meal at one point and then serve them a horrible surf and turf meal. And we also found out that the surf and turf was supposed to be for the wedding. So for all of the things that didn't go right, I was expecting to see it reflected in the tip. But 25800 is a pretty swinging good tip, if you ask me.
1: I agree. I think that it's interesting that that was the end result. And I think everybody on the crew was just as surprised, to be honest. Because mm-hmm. not everything went smoothly. Right. So then we segue to the night out. Right, Where we see a little bit of conflict start to arise between Matt and Lexi. There's a little bit of flirtation that's going on among other crew members. But all in all, I think it was a pretty lackluster... I mean, it wasn't super dramatic. I'm excited that they got to celebrate Z's birthday. I think that's really cute. And that was kind of a fun surprise. Right. I like that part too. The only
0: thing I really took out of it is, like you said, Matthew and Lexi butting heads... And he seems to be like wanting any discussion of him not being there the first day wanting it done and over he doesn't take ribbing well because they were wanting him to buy drinks for them and the b-word said okay this covers the cheese plate and he was eye-rolling and just said I'm just going to pay for this because I don't ever want to hear it again so I would expect if you were going to be gone an entire day and if the c-word says no we're not going to make you divvy up any of your tip that you would be a little more gracious to the rest of your crew who really did cover for you while you were away
1: we didn't see the entire conversation so there was maybe there was more ribbing that yeah, he was true. a good sport about and then he just got sick of it mm-hmm. so maybe all we saw was the edit of him just being over it at that that's point. a good point that's a very good point and
0: i will switch up and give him the benefit of the doubt on that because if everybody's coming at you it would get old fast but right. one of his catchphrases, and i've been using this at home and john thinks i'm a moron is vibe check and we found out that the vibe check as far as courtney is concerned is creepy uncle when it comes to me <laughs> <laughs> It just made me laugh. And, but then she backed up and she was like, well, still, you know, even with the creepy uncle, you could still, and I'm just like, ah,
1: okay. Too much information. <laughs> I think he's just a little bit socially awkward. And I know mm-hmm. a lot of chefs that are like that, especially really creative chefs that don't necessarily hone in their social skills as well as they hone in their cooking skills. Right. So So him being on the end of the table to begin with, tells me a little bit. His body language tells me a little bit. His defensiveness tells me a little bit. So I think he might just be a little bit socially awkward. And especially like we've discussed in this situation where you're walking in and you're used to doing a high pressure job, but walking in with cameras and production is a different animal altogether. And so trying to wrap your brain around it, even if you think you're ready for it, that isn't necessarily what happens in actuality. So I think that it's a convergence of a lot of different symptoms To lead to where he is and then him sitting and being defensive at that dinner. So, yeah,
0: I agree. But that pretty much wraps us up, takes us to the end of this episode. Looks like for next week, we might get that first kiss. We get to see that at the start of next week. And we also get a return visit from Roy Orbison Jr., which we really enjoyed him last season. So hopefully- I'm super excited about that. I am too. He was so great and his kids are freaking adorable. So this should be a fun one coming up.
1: Definitely. And we had a listener question.
0: Mm -hmm. It is from Stephanie. And she asks, how she put it is, that she doesn't understand how provisions work for each charter. She said, for example, some guests want high-end everything. Everything such as the best caviar champagne liquor seafood etc then you have guests that are happy with Tito's and beer so her question is how are all of these extra costs figured in
1: so usually what happens is the easiest way for me to put this is in the context of a day charter so when I'm doing day charters the price of the rental of the charter generally covers the the Fuel, because you're really not going that far, it generally covers the food as long as it's not crazy over-the-top stuff, and it generally includes most basic liquors and beers and wines. If they want things that are more expensive, like caviar and foie gras and Kobe steaks and high-end whiskeys and expensive wines, then those are things that will charge on top as a premium. So I would imagine for this purpose, because of the amount of money that they're spending for the short period of time that they're there, that a lot of those things are covered unless they want something extremely specific, like if this group for their post wedding festivities had wanted a really expensive bottle of Dom or, Mm -hmm. you know, some kind of really nice caviar as a starter or something along those lines. But even at that, for the price that they're paying, you know, which we still estimate is somewhere around 60 to $65,000 for three days, Mm -hmm. you're still going to be able to build a lot of that into the cost, unless it's a very specific over the top request.
0: Okay. Okay. Well, great. Well, Stephanie, there is your answer. Anybody else who would like to have a question answered, please write to us at gangplankreport at gmail.com, or you can message us on Twitter or IG, and we will be happy
1: to answer them for you. Definitely. And please, if you like our podcast, feel free to leave us a review and five stars, if you're so inclined. We would love that. Please be inclined. (laughs) And we would absolutely love any more feedback that you have. Thank you again, Scotty B for your suggestion and anybody else. We're always open to better ideas. Thank you
0: all for listening. And we will catch you next week for episode four. Have a great week. Bye. Bye. Special thanks to our friends who helped us create Gangplank Report. Down below, original music and lyrics by Angel, Twitter, Frail and Terry Abbott. Performed by Lorelai of Florida. Production assistance by Michael Castaneda. Cast off, me hearties. We're
1: hanging up the Gangplank and going down.